When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So she kind of wants to like play matchmaker, which is how I felt like the first time we saw her. But I think she's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think that's what it is. Elizabeth's (laughs) diagnosis is she's crazy. (laughs) I love that. That's my unprofessional opinion. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Spencer. How was your week? It was good. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm a talk to you forever. It was good. Today's the Oscars. I know. I'm so excited. I forgot about it for a second. Yeah. And then you're here in your lovely suit jacket and you're like, it's the Oscars. I was like, yeah. correct. I, I dressed up for my Oscars ball that I'm throwing. <laughs> your Oscars um, ball. <laughs> Fortunately, the guest list is not as full as I would have liked. <laughs> oh, you're having Mrs. Russell's problems. <laughs> um, we talked about this in our Patreon episode, but who do you think is going to win the Costume Design Award? <sighs> By the time people listen to this, it would have already passed, yeah. but let's just talk about it. Uh, yeah, I just want to talk about it either way. <laughs> uh, the closer we get to it, the more that I feel like it's going to be Cruella but I would really like it if Nightmare Alley or if um, West Side Story won. Oh, interesting. Any of those three I would be happy with, actually. Um, I'm in a different camp. I do think Cruella's going to win for sure, Um, but I really want Dune to win. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Dune. Yeah. This is not a good year (laughs) (laughs) for me choosing a solid winner. Yeah. Nightmare Alley would be be my second choice. So I guess we'll see. But those listening already know the answer. So hopefully I'm wrong and it is Dune. I love Corella, but I just feel like Dune was just so groundbreaking. It just, it's going to like be like influencing sci-fi costumes for futures generations to come you know i agree it was definitely a very new very fresh take on the sci-fi genre and i'm really excited to see where this this new take uh goes in the future uh but you know who was not excited for new takes on anything spencer (laughs) 
The Van Ryan family. The Van Rines. <laughs> Everybody of the old money in the Gilded Age. Spencer, I need the second uh, season now. The amount that I loved the show is ridiculous. I binge this entire thing in the past week and i'm obsessed with it it's like my new favorite show it's so good i know as i binged it very quickly because i was on vacation and it's an hbo show so i assumed it was gonna be very naughty and <laughs> i was on vacation with my cousin and his two elementary school daughters so i was like i can't just be watching this so i waited till like the last minute to watch it and i was like this is thoroughly a pg show <laughs> yeah it's literally just a show about a bunch of women sitting in a room just giving scowls at each other for a solid hour and i love it so much um yeah my naughty list was not checked off my naughty bingo card there was barely anything i know um, not that that's something i really want in a show but it's something i really want in a show it's and it's uh, like it's hbo <laughs> You just expect that. <laughs> like, I just expected it. Yeah. I like, but it it's from the producer of Downton Abbey, which is also a very PG show. So I'm like, oh, that like actually does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we should have known. Either way, without all the, with the absence of naughtiness, I love this show and I'm so excited to talk about it. This is actually an audience request too. And we said on the last episode, we hope you don't disappoint. And you guys surely did not. There is about 1,200,000,000 billion costumes in this show that are so good. So I'm a bit anxious to talk about this mountain of costumes you have to get through. I, I'm so excited. I agree. It was just, it was thoroughly beautiful. Every costume was a winner. And Kasha Walika Mamona. She did an insane amount of interviews on this already and talked at length in every single one. So, like, behind the wardrobe facts are just, like, killer this week. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Elizabeth's like, they're popping <laughs> off this week. It's about to be one of those episodes, one of those Elizabeth researcher episodes. So grab your cup of tea and settle in because we have some costumes to talk about. We do. I'll start us off with a little summary. The American Gilded Age was a period of immense economic change, great conflict between the old ways and the brand new ways, and huge fortunes were made and lost. In 1882, a young Marion Brooke moves from rural Pennsylvania to New York City after the death of her father to live with her aunts Agnes Van Rijn and Ada Brooke. Marion inadvertently walks into a social war between her aunts, the old money, and her super rich neighbors, the Russells. And that is the Gilded Age. That is the Gilded Age. If you haven't watched the Gilded Age yet, get HBO and watch it right now. It's nine episodes. And don't be fooled by what the times say on each episode. <laughs> They're roughly like 10 minutes shorter <laughs> than the runtime because they have like special features and stuff in the back. So you'll fly through this in a day. And it flies by. I've already watched it twice this week. It's just too good. It is too good because of some very talented people indeed. Let's go behind the wardrobe that was brought to us by series creator Julian Fellows, who we all know as the creator of the amazing Downton Abbey show and costume designer 
Kasha Walika Mamona, whose notable work is the Adjustment Bureau, Moneyball, Moonrise Kingdom, a personal nice. favorite of mine, <laughs> Foxcatcher, Ready Player One, and A Quiet Place, and A Quiet Place Part Two. Nice. I will say, with that resume, I would not have suspected her to be the designer for this. No. <laughs> Not at all. I love all of these designers coming out of left field and being like, guess what? I can do whatever you need me to do. Yeah, it's definitely different than her work on Ready Player One. I could definitely say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. And she fully admits that, you know, it's not just her work that really makes this show come together. Uh, in an interview with Tom and Lorenzo... She was asked if it was hard to find jewels and shoes for the show. And she launched into this very beautiful quote about how many dedicated people it really takes to pull off a show like this. Are you ready for a quote, Spencer? I'm ready. You know I love a good quote. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Wiley, who worked with me on the design team, he's extraordinarily experienced in period shows. He helped to create this whole operation. Not only does he have an exquisite eye with menswear and women's wear, but he also knows how to strategize this enormous production of where to manufacture, where to rent from, where to make all the hats, where to create all the boots. And he prepared this whole plan for this giant operation. And then we had Isabel Simon, who joined us with the design team. And she is a specialist of executing builds in New York and works with all the costume houses that make these clothes. Susan Gilboy, who is a researcher and built an enormous library. Our in-house head of tailoring, Susan Bakla, who led our in-house team to create a lot of the servants' costumes and was in charge of the fittings for all the garments that were coming on and all of our principals and extras. Dennis Andrus, our wardrobe supervisor, who was in charge of creating physically the whole operation. We had to fit all those extras and dress all those extras and put them on camera. It's almost like a military operation that happens here. It's a well-oiled machine and everybody has a function, including all the PAs who make sure the packages are arriving in time from Europe, that they get open on time, that they get delivered on time. It's an army of very attentive people, agers, dyers, people who distress the pieces, milliners, that help the costume shops and workrooms in New York, such as Eric Winterling, Tercon, and Donna Legman, and Braca Sturbling. We had phenomenal makers working with us. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm exhausted already. And that's our episode, everyone. Thank you for yeah. listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Names are not my strong suit. But... <laughs> I love that she's just fully like, hey, this is not just me. This is this person and that person and this person and that person. All the PAs. I love how she's just like, everybody is important and deserves credit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kasha had an army and a designer is only as good as their team. So, I mean, 
this show is a strong sentiment to that. Exactly. And that started with a lot of research. And uh, Kasha talked about this to Fashionista. It's very, very deeply searched in an endless amount of historical material. And then it's a bit embellished as any film material needs to do for the sake of storytelling. So she was like, we were on it. We were looking through everything. In an interview with Fashionista, she really talks about how they studied American fashions of 10 to 15 years before 1882, when the story takes place, and fashion that followed 1882, which was difficult because during the COVID shutdown, a lot of libraries and museums that they would have used to research go touch clothes from the time period, you know, get a real sense of how everything was constructed, what it looked like, they were all closed. So she was really relying on images on her computer. And she was like, you know, it's not the same as going in and being able to see the books and the pieces in real life. She talked a little bit about how, like, she feels like the colors might be a little bit off from being, you know, truly, truly historically appropriate. But she was like, that's what happens when you can't go look at the pieces. Right. (laughs) Uh, This is also a very interesting time because of developing technologies like the zipper and changes in social structures The 1880s was a time of very rapid change when it came to fashion. Fashion plates were widely circulated, and the first synthetic dyes are being developed, (laughs) including arsenic green dresses. Look it up. (laughs) It's wild. Oh, God. (laughs) And with designers like Charles Frederick Worth, there's a huge influx of fashion from Paris. So this is just a wild time, and... (laughs) I encourage everybody to go to TomAndLorenzo.com because there was a wild interview with her that is extraordinary. And this is one of her quotes from that. How I feel being in that period, I would be so excited to see what's happening on the street. And then when we with a modern eye look at that piece, how do you evoke that feeling at the same time? Trying to be truthful to the period. I don't try to revolutionize it. I don't try to disturb the rules of the period, but I was trying to find the excitement of the period. I love that because it translates into that kind of like feeling like they almost modernized the wardrobe. And I was like, oh, this feels so influenced by modern fashion. And then she was talking to Fashionista and she said, we recognize elements of the wardrobe because designers in the 30s, 50s, 70s, 90s, And 2000s keep drawing from that period. And I'm like, oh, that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Also, what she loved with creating this wardrobe is the 1880s. There's such an influx of wealth and money, especially in New York, that ladies really tried to present themselves on the streets and in society in a very extravagant way. They you know, wanted the latest fashions, wanted to really, you know, show everybody their money and wealth. But that was mostly the new money. The old money was a little bit more reserved. She said in an interview with Variety, I would describe the old money as the effortless presence of very established rules. The new money is trying to be a better version of that society. And because of that, they become maybe bolder And then they have more courage and more means to try the newest of the new that came from Europe with 
which was just a breath of fresh air. So I love the dynamic that she really fed into and created. So she talked to Tom Lorenzo about this. It was a massive job because the period doesn't really exist in rental houses, that 1880s period. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There haven't been a ton of productions done during that specific time period, although she feels like there's a lot more being done now. Women's Wear Daily said that the costume designer or team of roughly 65 costumers thoroughly researched the era and the time periods before and after to understand the styles of 1882 and create roughly 5,000 costumes for the show's first season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so many. That's, that's so many. I can't even. It's so many. And uh, something she talks about a lot and you see a lot in the show is how much women dress, especially women of means and money changed at least three times a day if not more, depending on what they were doing. (laughs) And she said to Tom and Lorenzo, women spent a lot of time on their clothes and there was an incredible varied amount of dressmakers. There was a lot of European style mixed in. There was a lot of money to be spent on the clothing and women did change several times a day. What we discovered from pictures is that there were personal styles you very rarely find two things that look alike which is something we see a lot in the show too (laughs) yeah it's that's very clear that like everyone has their own style uh the silhouettes are very similar but then like the colors the details the trim is all very personal to each character and another thing i love about this show is how it's shot um She talked again to Tom and Lorenzo about this. She said, with the Gilded Age, we see things. The directors of cinematography set the tone of how we are going to see this. They shoot wide, and it's not easy to shoot wide and portray those worlds. We really see things left, right. The world is extremely well portrayed from all angles. It's kind of a dream come true. We see the principles. We see them from top to bottom from the side, from different angles. It's like a dance or opera that I feel like it's portrayed in front of us. There are very few static moments. And I got to agree with that. I feel like that's a problem with a lot of period pieces is like you can't see the whole thing a lot of the time. Like I always have trouble finding pictures of like a whole outfit. Not the case in Gilded Age. No, this one was fun to put together because we really just got to it was like a fashion show almost from beginning to end all nine episodes. We really got to see a lot of the costumes up close and personal as well as all the sets, just like they mentioned in that quote, all the trees, all the cobblestone, everything we got to see it all. And it was just beautiful. So Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to talk about Elizabeth. What great behind the wardrobe facts. Thank you. They were very long this time. (laughs) (laughs) She she came prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, I think we need to take a tea break. And when we come back, we're going to break down the show character by character, family by family, and get into some of our favorite costumes. Yes.
are you ready to get into the Gilded Age? Because we have a lot of costumes to get through. Spencer, I am more than ready for this. Starting off with Marion Brooke, our sweet, oh, sweet, kind, kind of our main character. It, this is very much an ensemble cast, but it yeah. definitely rotates the most around her. She's not my main character, but she's other people's main character. Yeah, she is the main <laughs> character. Um, <laughs> but she has quite the journey, starting from her father dying in Pennsylvania, Doylestown. I was weirded out when I heard that because that's not far from where I live. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you are Marion Brooke. No, please. <laughs> I wouldn't fall in love with a guy that quickly. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. I have lots to say about that guy, but we'll, we'll, we'll save get it. There. We'll get there. <laughs> but first she's very sweet, very innocent. And Kasha talked about this with Tom and Lorenzo uh, about Marianne's style. She said, we're trying to design each character. We try to find a vocabulary for each character and there are roots where they come from. She comes from a small town in Pennsylvania Grew up without a mother. She's a country girl, and yet she has a very clear idea of who she is and what she likes. And I think she has that sort of utilitarian simplicity. At the time, the love of nature, in a sense, the beauty, bringing those two worlds of old money love of classics and seeing what's happening across the road. So she really starts solidly in a kind of old money look to her with lots of blues and floral designs to kind of indicate her innocence. Yeah. Uh, I love that the quote said that she was a country girl at heart because I did kind of see that like she does have a little bit of a country look to her and it's not until you see her like move to her aunt's house where she starts to really kind of leave that behind. But she starts country as hell at first. (laughs) Yeah, well, she's like in mourning at first until her aunt's like, you can't be in mourning anymore. Nobody here knew your father, which I was like, ooh, honey. Yeah. (laughs) Let the girl, if they had let her mourn, she might not have gotten into as much trouble. (laughs) Right. No, she she very quickly adapted. Um, She had some beautiful looks in this show. Especially, she had a lot of blue, a lot of blue, a lot of white. And it's just something about blue and white just really says, like, she's the sweet, gentle main character that, like, really is not problematic. I mean, every once in a while she does something where I'm like, Marion. But she's basically just, like, a perfect little angel. She is. And I wouldn't say she's a perfect little angel. She's very much like her father's daughter who... He was apparently quite the revolutionary, it sounds like. She has a very, in terms of the show, modern view of right and wrong and where people's place in society should be. And she's not afraid to say that. And I love that about her. Um, I have to say, though, her all of her blue pieces, I was like, should I make that? <laughs> should I make that? I'm telling you, <laughs> you are, you would be Marion in this show. I, you don't see it, but I see it. <laughs> I can't entirely disagree with that. Um, <laughs> but this is very much how she starts out as she, you know, kind of grows into the, you know, high class society of New York into her, her love for, that man. That man. <laughs> Mr. Rakes. 
Uh, she kind of changes a little bit. I love a lot of you'll see when she's with Mr. Rake, she wears a lot of yellow. It's like, oh, her love is blooming for him. But then also the longer she lives with her aunts, the darker her clothes become. She starts to wear a lot more like dark yellows and greens as opposed to the blue. And Kasha talks about this a lot with Fashionista. It then becomes more courageous and more young fashion. At the same time, we try to keep her very different from everybody else because she's she's on her own particular journey. She becomes a younger lady who's very aware of the society around her, and she she's like a sponge absorbing all this information. We follow her journey developing her own style fit for New York. We experimented with Marianne. I might have pushed it too far here and there, but I also think that's what happens when young people are trying to define their style. And I love that because that's very much what like Marianne's doing. It's like sometimes you see her like looking very much like her aunts. Sometimes she looks completely different from her aunts, very modern. And I think that's a really great note. Yeah, I'll say like Marion definitely was, I feel like the most inconsistent in what she was wearing, which I kind of like that because she was just like trying something new all the time. She's like, oh, this is fun. Or I didn't really love this as much. You just, you never really knew what you're going to get with Marion. Yeah, I love she's constantly talking about having dresses made. But I felt what really topped this whole journey off was what should have been her wedding outfit, which is this beautiful purple number with the hat and the flowers it's very you know she's very set in her determination to elope with mr rakes (laughs) and you know she she kind of feels like she's grown up and she's also very determined to like have her both her aunts like him after they get married and i feel like this outfit it's the most modern thing she wears but the color is very reminiscent of her aunt's. Oh, yeah. This color screams Agnes Van Ryn to me. I think that was like the perfect thing to top it off. Um, speaking of Agnes and Ada, though, talk about two characters. <laughs> oh, I love them. The Van Rynbrook family, so good. You know how I feel about Christine Baranski. I have I know. a uncomfortable crush on that woman. <laughs> elizabeth the woman was too stunned to speak i was gonna say something and then i decided not to (laughs) (laughs) anyways yeah these two actresses cynthia nixon and christine baranski they kill it in these roles it's not something that i really saw cynthia in and she kills it she does kill it okay so I feel bad because she is far too defined by her character on Sex and the City. Yeah. She is so much better than that. Right. Because I I saw her in some... She was also in Ratchet with Sarah Paulson, and she killed that too. I've yet to watch it, but I really want to. But I saw her in some miniseries like years and years and years ago, and it was like, it was medieval, I believe. And she, like, she killed it. She was like this, like nasty like just nasty woman who was like trying to like destroy everybody's lives to make her life better (laughs) but she is so much better and more talented than her sex in the city city character would suggest and martha may Houvier over here she really just like 
She was born for this role. She was. I saw her and I was like, yes. I was like, this is going to be good. <laughs> She's my favorite character. I'm not even going to lie. I saw that coming. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I saw that coming. Um, but Cassia talks about the two of them in Fashionista. She says, I always said, you need to feel like you're walking through the grandest room of the Metropolitan Museum of Art with their costumes. You're equally in all of that world as we are in all of the world of Bertha. There's no value in which one is better. They're just slightly different. We know that Ada would have the oranges, browns, and greens as somebody who's like a librarian and missionary on a journey to discover charities and be part of society. So she's like, yes, they're supposed to look like museum pieces, <laughs> which they do. <laughs> and Ada. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let's start with Aunt Ada. I love her character and I love her costumes because they're also very fun. And to me, like Aunt Ada is like kind of like the wacky cool aunt, you know, yeah. who you can like tell things and like, don't tell Aunt Agnes. Like, and that's really represented in her characters because she wears some like kind of kooky colors. I mean, like, like this red and mustard or like an orange, she'll throw in a blue. Like, she's just, you never really know what you're going to get out of her. You just know it's going to be like really fun. You never know. And what I love about like her looks is they kind of like, they put her in the background a little bit. They're kind they don't stand out as much. And that's very true to like her being a s unmarried woman at her age during that time. It's not that you weren't expected to stay out of society, but you were expected to not participate quite as much as the married women. So she's still there. She's still determined to be useful to society, but she's not trying to make herself stand out right she lets everyone else kind of do that part she likes to kind of hang back hang back at home to yeah. do some fun things you know i i love her because she she plays the part she's expected to play but then at the end when she's talking to um her sister and her sister's like how do you know these pearls and she's like I'm not an idiot. Like <laughs> I have to like, sit here and listen to you all day, every day. I know right? what's going on here. She's like, I read books. I pay attention just because I've been single my entire life does not mean I'm ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Agnes Van Ryan. I'm very excited to talk about her. Um, I loved her. So good. You like she's she plays this character so well because you want to like low-key hate her sometimes you're like oh she's so mean mm -hmm. but she's not mean she's just like she knows the game and she's right like dare i say she was very right about marion's little wedding adventure she said yeah. that, that that dude was just an adventurer and what happened so he i was just an adventurer <laughs> right and i love her costumes to me because like they're very kind of dark and very museum-y, like we said. But they kind of like have these like jewel colors. Mm -hmm. um, it's like emerald green and like a dark purple and a ruby red and a sapphire blue. Like it gives very like jewelry to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And she re she really does see herself as like a queen of society. And she's I, my I, queen. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> um, <laughs> she talks about how long her family's been here and like. Her husband's family came over on the Mayflower and they fought in the revolution. And it kind of took me a while to see this because she does talk about like, oh, like our family's involvement in the revolution, like all these historical things. 
her outfit is very like late 17 hundreds inspired with yeah the, like, it, it definitely has a little bit extra period to it compared to everyone else's like you would never see her wearing something that like mrs russell's wearing yeah you know oh absolutely not but like with the three quarter length sleeves and like the higher like stand up collars it's like very very reminiscent of the past and i was like that's such a cool little like note that like she's not just old school she's like almost ancient <laughs> she is the old school she is and, the old school which there i say the, is not a problem but in no. society it is but i love her for it but she proves that like she's not completely she has not completely cut herself off from the modern world like she gives Peggy that job. Like she's right. more than willing to accept new people, but not quite the way she should. Yeah. <laughs> she's so funny too. Like all of her one liners literally kill me. I was dying laughing every time. There's like one line where they're in a carriage together, the three of them. And like Marion says something about hiring pest control. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Agnes literally is like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> like just like the way she says things. I'm like, she's I, an icon. She's a legend. <laughs> she is. And like, I love how she's like, I am never wrong about these things. And that reminded me, I have this Downton Abbey mug. <laughs> Oh, I am never perfect. wrong. So I was like, this is the mug I'm drinking my tea out of today. <laughs> I'm actually drinking my mug out of this uh, mug that one of my very good friends got for me. Wow. How generous of them. They know mm -hmm. you so well. <laughs> Elizabeth got me this Fellowship of the Ring mug. It's very beautiful. Anyways. I'm glad you're using it. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, just Agnes Van Ryn. Just such a gem we'll have to talk about her some more later but first let's talk into her really annoying <laughs> son i do not like oscar van ryan he gives me such I, he gives me the ick as the kids say he does give me the <laughs> ick a li little bit uh blake ritson plays oscar van ryan and i'm just like he's kind of like an innocently icky character <laughs> <laughs> like like he cannot live the life he wants to he right you want to like him you want he to just like makes him. it so you're like yeah. but i can't like he wants to live in a world where he can just be with his man and like live freely but he's very aware that he can't and he's trying to trap this poor young girl <laughs> i know i'm like dude i really want to give you a chance oscar i gave you nine episodes and by the end of the ninth episode i wasn't sold <laughs> i was like the, it, it's like it's so icky he's so icky when it comes to him trying to marry miss russell but also like for the time considering like the kind of match her mom wants for her she could do a lot worse oh yeah for sure i mean it's not a bad couple i would say but i don't even think that gladys is even that into oscar though but no we'll get there Oscar's costumes, though, were pretty nice, I would he say. He was the best-dressed man of this entire show. Right. He has a style, this man. Um, except his something about his glasses, though. I'm I just like, this man... glasses. They're cool. They're super cool. But some... The, 
them on Oscar, though, he just comes off as like this so pretentious. I like I would he not be friends with him. He is very pretentious. He is very pretentious. And That's his not... glasses scream that to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> but they're so cool. They're so cool. I love the piping on his jackets. Kasha got very fun with the contrasting piping. But then also like with the different patterns and textures she uses for Oscar, it really makes him stand out from like every other male character on the show. Right. And it's, that's actually a good point because um, and I always forget his name, but we will talk about him in a second. But like the Russell son compared to like the Van Ryan son, like the Russell son kind of like blends in with like every other male character in the show. But Oscar Van Ryan like stands out when you see him, you're like, oh, it's that guy again. <laughs> Here comes trouble type of thing. <laughs> he does stand out. And Kasha was very, you know, conscious of making each character stand out in their own way, <clears throat> especially when it came to color. Um, she talked to Women's Wear Daily and said, we are all coded for color responses. We know that color carries so much more information than just what you would call color. It carries a wealth of information. It wouldn't, I wouldn't put Marion in a jewel tone. That's just not her character. She's young and innocent, and she's a breath of fresh air that shows up in the house. With Bertha, we treat those colors symbolically. Her husband is responsible for railroads, so that's the idea of steel and things that shine. All of that is color-coded into the characters. Oh, man, I love this show so much. <laughs> like, like she was saying, we've seen that now with Marion. Like the blue, the innocence. And now she uses that kind of um, color coding with Bertha Russell. Oh, man. To the 100th degree. Bertha Russell. She was my second favorite character. Yeah, she's my, dare I say, she like really kind of combats with Aunt Agnes for me. Um, They're very close. Very, very close. That's fair. She was incredible. Like, she's one of those characters I feel like you hate to love. Like, there's so... She is always justified in, like, how she's mad with people. But also, I'm like, did you take that a little too bit too far? I don't that's know. Why I kind of liked I, it. <laughs> that's why I love her. She takes everything too far. And she, I would have been one of those people, like, at the Red Cross meeting who would have voted for her, like, stood yeah. up and been like, yes, Queen, I love you. <laughs> like, I would have been such a groupie. <laughs> like, she's just so cool. Oh, Yes, Carrie Coon, incredible. Amazing. Amazing, incredible, loved her. I also love, in the first episode, she's appears in this very modern, very geometric, light blue dress the first time. The first episode, she's wearing a lot of lighter colors, lots of blues, always very fashionable, And then as the series goes on, it gets like a little bit darker. Um, She carries that fashion throughout it. But I I love the blue in that first episode because it's almost like Marion. She's a little bit innocent to just how much pushback she is going to get from society. Yeah. She kind of thinks this is just going to be like a walk in a park. I mean, she knows it'll be challenging, but she thinks like, we'll wrap it up in a couple weeks, you know, like everyone's going to be excited to receive me. Um, Elizabeth, did you know I got someone texted me this information that Carrie Coon is eight months pregnant in the Gilded Age? You're lying to me. 
I'm not lying to you. I am not lying to you. She talked multiple interviews about how they corseted the hell out of her. And they said, like, luckily, like, that was kind of a part of the costume. And they really covered her up. Elizabeth's literally stunned right now. If you don't believe me, you could fact check it right now. No, I believe you. I am <laughs> in so much corsets can work miracles. So I believe it. I believe it. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's another thing. Like this costume designer, legendary. Elizabeth doesn't even know what to say right now. I have so much more respect for her now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she killed it. I mean, literally every single costume she wears, I was like, wow, love that one. Love that one. Like you said, I love that first costume costume she wears when she like, I, I love it, that light blue ensemble where she like opens up the doors to her house. Well, someone opens the door for her and she she's walks in doors. <laughs> no, <laughs> but she just walks in with such a presence. Like she walks into her new home and she doesn't even stop to see anything. She's like chandelier. Great painting. Great. And it's almost like pushing people out of the way, just flaunting like this, like fashion week moment. It's just so good. I'm obsessed with her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I loved her character. And again, uh, Kasha spoke to fashionista about Bertha specifically she said, Bertha is the new force who shows up in the Gilded Age and pioneers French fashion on the streets of New York and in the society of New York. It's a very exciting time when European fashions are being embraced and acknowledged and are bringing a certain level of excitement and newness to the streets. Bertha's like a giant breath of fresh air who's trying to outdo the establishment but she still wants to belong to the society. And it's like, that is so true. Yeah. <laughs> we we have this one picture up where she's literally wearing um, this peacock dress with like the peacock feathers, the pattern. And it's like, <laughs> I'm actually shocked that they put her in this because it's so on the nose. Like Bertha walks in, Mrs. Russell, and she's just like very peacockish. She's you know? like, yes, like, I am a peacock. <laughs> as she prances around, she's like, who wants to meet me? Who wants to be in my new ballroom? And yes. like, she's just, yeah, unrelenting. <laughs> yes. And Kasha again talked to Fashionista about how experimental fashion really was in this period. Um, she said the period was very exper experimental in the draping use of color and shapes of garments and hats. During this period, a lot of asymmetry appeared, a very free organic draping. That's very interesting use of mixed and unexpected elements in embellishment of the dress. Bertha was a asymmetry in every single outfit, I think. Oh, yeah every single one and i loved it yeah it's just so good and if there wasn't like asymmetry in like the dress then there was like asymmetry in the hat like everything had an edge to it and yeah i loved it but there's a character that i think that you probably loved i feel like you were a george russell fan george russell played <laughs> by mr morgan specter <laughs> i knew it <laughs> what a silver fox <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this guy, but he was also one of those characters that he I was kind of like love-hate because he was like really cool. He dressed so well, so dapper, obviously like very handsome. But like sometimes he could like really kind of be a little bit of a jerk. Um, he, yeah, he <laughs> like really I, could. I could not get over what he did to Gladys's like little boyfriend. 
At the I end know. of the day, he still hooked him up. So, like, I get it. Yeah. And also, like, this is a lot of, like, Miss Russell being like, you're not going to let this happen, right? With, like, yeah. a wink. Um, so I don't always blame him. But I'm just like, Mr. It comes out meaner when it comes out of Mr. Russell's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. I loved his character. Because his character, he's like, I'm not going to take shit from anybody. And if you try to pull one over for me, you will suffer the consequences tenfold. Like, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about a certain character later whose husband is no longer with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, he, unlike his wife, though, he's like not, he doesn't really care about being in society. He cares because his wife cares. And I feel like his wardrobe, again, reflects that. It's very simple. Lots of grays and blacks. Just, He's like, I'm a well-dressed man of the period. That's all. Mrs. Russell has 95% of the wardrobe budget. Um, Mr. Russell Mm -hmm. is just like putting on some good suits and con it a day. That's all he has to do. He's putting on whatever Mrs. Russell laid out for him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, A character I was so excited to see, um, played by the brilliant Tessa Farmiga, um, Vera Farmiga's sister. Incredible. Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? No, I did not realize that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, she is absolutely beautiful, and I love all of her costumes. Also, like, such great casting, because she does kind of yes. look like Carrie Coons a little bit. She does. I was. <laughs> they did a good job casting their children to actually look like their children. Right. Um, she does, and I love... Because I get the feeling that she's, like, 14, 15... In the show. In the show. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, in the show, not in real life. Or, like, maybe, like, 16, like, mid-teens. But for that time period, it's like, oh, time to start looking for your man. Get married. Like, yeah. <laughs> get it rolling. Get a but, move on. Which Gladys, yeah. like, keeps repeating. She's like, Mom, yes. it's time for me to move on. And yeah. Mrs. Russell's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. And I love because she dresses her like a little girl. There's lots of frills and bows and pinks and girly elements to her fashion yeah like very hyper girly very hyper girly i feel like it's not till they go to newport that you see her wear anything close to like an adult look and i i I can't wait to see what she wears next season i know i I feel feel like like she's just gonna be like the most wonderfully dressed person in the room at all times right she's gonna step it up in season two which as season two has already been confirmed so that's awesome um but yeah i love glasses look she's very girly and i agree with you when she went to newport that was when you started to see the change like i saw that too i was like oh gladys you're starting to step it up a little bit like of course she still has like the bows and very like very fluffy um but she's starting to transition a little bit so i'm excited to see where her character goes um also another fanfare i've noticed is mr larry russell gladys's brother yes quite a dapper young gentleman dapper young gentleman and dare i say better for marion than her other choice yes so i was like after he saves the dog, I was like, oh, this is the love story everybody's going to object to. <laughs> and then they bring Mr. Rakes out of, like, left field. <laughs> <laughs> boo. Um, boo. <laughs> but, yeah, I loved Larry, uh, played by Harry Richardson. Um, he is not 
quite as fashionable as Mr. Van Rijk, but he's still clearly like wearing the young fashion of the time. Yeah, he's he's kind of having like a hard time figuring out his place in all of this. Mm-hmm. He wants to uh, dive into architecture, but his dad just kind of wants him to like follow along and be like his, you know, his successor, his su- successor, which like doesn't sound very fun to anyone. Even I no. think Mr. Russell's like, yeah, that's kind of like your thing. And in in the <laughs> end, when when Larry's like. I'm going to be the sad second act of your empire. He's like, oh, you might yeah. be right about that. And Mr. Russell kind of like nodded. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, dad. He's like, oh, yeah, if you're not into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a painful dad conversation. Um, but yeah, I feel like Larry Russell has a lot more ahead of him in the second season. Yeah, um, I agree. Because he was kind of underused. He's one of those characters where I like kept forgetting who he was every time I saw him, I was like, oh, that's, you know, the Russell's son. Um, so I think his time is coming. I think his time is coming. You know whose time came in this season, though? Peggy Scott. Peggy Scott, played by... Oh, the good costumes. Played by Danae Benton. Wow. Just chef's kiss. She killed this role. She killed it. And her wardrobe was incredible. Um, Kasha talked to fashionista about it. She said, we used the plaids more in the home environment. Then we tried to stay away from the plaids because that was just the beginning of her character arc. We moved into things that were a little bit more professional, like stripes and browns. And it's like, that is so true because Peggy has a lot of plaid dresses, a lot of plaid dresses, but you mostly see them when she's at the Van Rines home. When she like goes out, she has these beautiful like red, purple, yellow, blue dresses that like really she, you know, fits into the society of the day. But because she's black, no one will accept that. Right. She has to like really be, like be on top of her game at all times. And I like all those jewel tone professional dresses she would wear. Like, she made her spot in all these events, you know, like, covering the Red Cross or the Edison yes. lighting. Like, people would see her and be like, oh, you know, that's, like, that that young journalist who's, like, actually stepping up and, like, doing a great job. And, like, that's someone you have to know, even if she's not being accepted into society at this moment. But, like, she's carving out a place for herself. And it's just, it was so fun watching her. It was. And the the bombshell about her son at the end of the season, I was like, oh my gosh, like what is in store for this character? Um, I also loved her family. It was very important to Kasha to like represent like the black high class that was just coming into their own in New York, still very much separate in Brooklyn. Very tucked away. Very tucked away. Even Marion doesn't realize you know, black people at the time could have that sort of money. <laughs> Marion put her whole foot in her mouth during the episode. I was so embarrassed for her. She like, did. Marion, this is so embarrassing right now. <laughs> I would leave. I would have been like, oh, I'm about, I was on my way to drop this at a charity and thought I'd just pop in to say happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, she brought like these, like, what, they were like some dirty boots. And I was like, Marion, like, what? Yeah. It, it, that, Peggy was like, huh? <laughs> like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so typical of the time period. Um, but I, I really love them. And she represents 
them extremely well. Yeah, there were some really great costumes. I was having a hard time understanding what happened to Peggy's child. I got kind of lost in it a little bit, but I think I figured it out by the end. Sounds like her son is actually alive and her dad knows that and he's been keeping that a secret. I don't know. Her dad yeah. just kind of sucks. Her dad's a kind of terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, he destroyed her marriage. Yeah. And stole her son basically because he didn't like her choice of husband oh woof (laughs) well let's take a little break we still have a lot more characters to get through so let's grab some more tea and we'll be back i do need to go get more tea before back are you ready to talk about a character that i'm not very excited to talk about (laughs) this scumbag (laughs) we're talking about tom rakes this guy sucks boo (laughs) and it's like you believe him so much at first i believed i thought i was like this is fast but like it's a different time period like at least she's like oh i'm not gonna like just marry him because he asked me to he had me confused at first i i I fell for it the first couple episodes (laughs) and i was like at first that's like the train station when he was like what do you mean i would only write to you for business i was like oh he's totally just a nothing character and then he went to new york for that job interview and i was like dude this this is her man like this is who it's gonna be i was like they're gonna get married and the second season is gonna be all about how like you know trying to get aunt agnes to accept him (sighs) did he disappoint or did he disappoint he disappointed and i was frustrated the whole time i kind of started to get a weird feeling about it like halfway through just like i don't know something about this wasn't sitting right with me and then when um we kept seeing him at like the opera with like this other girl. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, it just feels a little close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to the Edison thing, even though, um, even though Marion wasn't invited, just like little things like that. I was like, it's not adding up. And then when Aunt Agnes was kind of like saying like, Oh, I, I see this guy for what he is. Also mm-hmm. to me, like if Mr. Rakes would have been like, Hey, let's like go have a sit down conversation with Aunt Agnes and Aunt Ada. I would have like been like, okay, like he's actually in it, but he never did that. He was just always like, no. I, you know, it is what it is, you know? And that's what kept giving me the red flag was like, why doesn't he just talk to them? And I'm like, the one, the thing that gave me the red flag was that he would never like talk about himself or ask her like, Oh, like what's your background? You're like, I guess he already knew a lot about her because of, being the lawyer when her father died but like he would never ask specifics he would just be like i love you (laughs) you must marry (laughs) and then he stands her up for their own wedding oh i was so frustrated i was so mad about that but like i i was happy though because i didn't want the wedding to happen by that point Mm -hmm. when you know aunt um 
Ada was like, oh my gosh, you got to get to Miss Chamberlain's house like right away. I was like, go, run, (laughs) hurry. She's about to do something crazy. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm happy with how it ended up. Um, Mr. Rakes, whatever. Thomas Cockerell, you play a great innocent bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about his costumes. Um, You know, in terms of like, his costumes are great compared to like a Mr. Russell or, you know, mm-hmm. it's not astounding. He's still trying to figure out his place in this world and figure out how to dress. Yeah. Like he's a lawyer. So like he, he's not penniless, which he calls himself penniless at one point. And I'm like, okay, no, you're not making high society money, but I'm sure he's making like a decent middle-class wage yeah. at the very least. <laughs> right. and penniless is very different to these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you see, because he starts out with, like, the bowler and the simple jacket. And then, like, the longer he stays in New York, the more, like, color, the more complex his wardrobe becomes. And I'm like, you're going to fall for high society in the worst way possible, dude. Yeah. I mean, I almost kind of relate, too, because I was, like, low-key kind of jealous. Like, oh, you just moved to New York and, like, try to work your way into society. I'm like, ooh, that does sound kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) But he blew it. Um, let's talk about a character that i i actually liked a lot was mrs astor um what a great character i loved her she was a great character um because i I believe the astors were a high society family of new york yeah actually most of these characters are based on and or like in reality that's Um, what i thought Um, so astor is one of them i love her because their family their family's technically not new money, but they're new money compared to the old money. <laughs> <laughs> but she acts like an old money person. Yeah, well, Mrs. Astor's at the top of, like, the chain, you know? Like, that's why the Van Rynes, like, they look up when Miss Astor asked them to go to that ball to end. You know, Aunt Agnes was like, we have no choice but to comply, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Mr. McAllister is, like, one of her lieutenants, too, like... Everyone follows the orders of Miss Astor and her costumes like also like really reflect that, especially like early on when she shows up in that all like gold ensemble. Oh, beautiful. You just know like, okay, yeah, she's the one that's in charge here. Yeah. And I love kind of her wardrobe where you can really see that like them researching the period before the 1880s because it is very classic Victorian. Yeah. I feel like her wardrobe is. And I appreciate that because she is, she's like, yes, I am in charge. I am the old guard and I'm going to dress like it. Right. Oh, so fun. What One of my favorite parts of the show was watching like Miss Astor's snub of Miss Russell too, like that little conflict at the end. I'm like, oh, so good. Yes. And then when Miss Russell was like sneaking around in Miss Astor's house and was it Newport? I was like, actually, like I was stressed. I was scared for her yeah, like, how when they're pushing her through like the kitchen like <laughs> me all of a sudden like trying to like follow along with society rules and like how dare she walk around miss astor's mansion like that <laughs> oh i gotta say i know this was a thing during the regency period where people would go visit like the mansions of other people and like get a tour yeah but i feel like that was 
was probably not normal from their reaction. No, Mrs. Astor would have been pissed if she walked in and saw Miss Russell there. That would have been terrible. Um, A character who is treated very terribly, but I actually love a lot, is Miss Chamberlain played by Jean Triplehorn. Hello. Yes. Okay. (laughs) She was my favorite character. First off, simply for her hat. (laughs) I saw that... That dark blue hat with the three feathers sticking up. And I was like, I am going to like this woman. Mrs. Chamberlain is a dope character. And people are so mean to her. It makes it like actually makes me visibly mad when I'm watching it. I'm like the hoops people had to jump through during this time period. I'm like, no wonder they were all taking drugs all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder. Everybody had Coke available at all times. <laughs> like, yeah, Miss Chamberlain. The stress. Miss Chamberlain's costumes were just so great. They're so beautiful. She really wears a hat super well. And it was just so cool to see Jean Triplehorn play this. Like, that was crazy to me. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, yeah, I loved her. When you first see her, I thought she was just going to be like a kind of a very like eccentric, like upper class woman. I thought that was going to be her whole deal. But then you get to know her and she's like very, she understands her place. And while she's not happy about it, she's very at peace with it. And she's like, it is what it is. Yeah. She's like, I'm not one person that shows up at the party that everyone like makes faces at, but I still look good. And, you know, she's super nice too. And like, not everyone's terrible to her, but like the people that matter in quotes are terrible to her. So I really hope that she shows up in the second season and like, maybe somehow like i don't know breaks through a little bit because she's just so kind and fun and she loves art like she's that cool friend you want to hang out with that your parents told you not to hang out with you know mm-hmm. <laughs> she's that person everybody thinks is bad but is is really she just wants to be included yeah she like rides her motorcycle at night and then she goes to like a charity ball you know <laughs> like yeah <laughs> Um, a character that I did not like, but <laughs> she had some crazy costumes was Mrs. Fish. I I would not like her. <laughs> Ashley Atkinson. Man, you play a great crazy woman. This woman was insane. <laughs> did like, you see that tea party with the dolls? <laughs> so oh weird. Oh my gosh. But also Loki, I was like, I would go to that though. Same. Like yeah. she said it was for her daughter, which I'm like, okay, your daughter does look like the appropriate age for this sort of thing. But why didn't you invite other people her age? Why did you invite like full grown adults yeah. to play dolls? Mrs. Fish, she like she loves to party, but she likes to throw like younger people parties. I don't know. I feel like she's like kind of stuck yeah. in this place where she wants to be like young and hip with all the like old and new money kids you know like she's so excited like when gladys shows up she's like oh gladys russell's here like what's your deal lady i know (laughs) i want to know more about her in the next season because i'm like she seems like someone who is probably like not happy with her life but she distracts herself from that by just being like slightly eccentric (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like that's what she does. I also feel like she kind of wants to be on like Mrs. Astor's level of like having influence, but knows she can't trump her. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. She's she's trying to be a Astor level, but like 
I don't know. She's like that eccentric lady who loves like throwing parties in Newport. Yeah. I, until that like tea party with the dolls, I, I thought, because like you said, she does entertain a lot of younger people. And I thought she was going to be like that, like older society wife who never had any kids. So she kind of wants to like play matchmaker, which is how I felt like the first time we saw her. But I think she's just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that's what it is. Elizabeth's uh, (laughs) diagnosis is she's crazy. (laughs) I love that. That's my unprofessional opinion. My professional opinion on this next character, Miss Morris, I do not like her. I wanted to fight this hoe in the streets. She is... I'm like, no one deserves to lose their husband like that. Right. But she is the architect of her own misfortune. Yeah. She should have just been nice to Mrs. Russell. Right. I mean, she, but like, it wasn't even just Miss Russell. She was also like really mean to Peggy too. Like just like her glances too. I was like, oh, just like women's a racist too. Like, you know, just like everything about her was just unsettling. And just the way that she like took every opportunity to like kept calling Mrs. Russell's husband, you know, a murderer. Like Grant, what happened was not great, you know, and your husband commits suicide because of it. But like, that's not Mr. Russell's fault. No, that was his choice. And if he had waited, like, clearly things, like, kind of cleared themselves up because that other family ended up being okay. Right. But it's like, that was his choice. Like, don't blame them for your husband's decisions. Like... Yeah, so, I don't know. Mrs. Morris sucks. (laughs) She (laughs) does. But it kind of... First of all, the actress who played her, Katie Finneran, she did a great job. She did a fantastic job. And her costumes, like, kind of, like, said this about her. Like, she was a darker, kind of, like, very, like, she followed the rules. And she's going to get played by the rules. And she'll, like, die by the rules. She'll lose her fortune over, like, I'm not hanging out with Mrs. Russell. Like, that is my command by Mrs. Astor and the Van Rines. And I'm not going to do it. I I love, even when she goes to ask for mercy, which I'm like... No, your husband, like, wanted you to go apologize to her. Like, that's what you should have been doing. Not still trying to be, like, the more important person in the situation. But just, like, those dark, those browns and blues. It's like, uh, like, she was trying to, like, still make herself better than her. And it's like, no, you should have just said you were sorry and that you would love to have her over. Like. Yeah. It was just not cool. Um, especially that part like at the Red Cross meeting where like she was like, I loved it actually when she was talking about Mrs. Russell and Miss Russell walks in. And she goes, this is an interesting moment to walk in. And I was like, Ooh. oh, you <laughs> like, got caught. Yeah, you're done, Miss Morris. <laughs> yeah. Um, another character I didn't like at first, but I kind of grew to like because... Unlike Miss Morris, she knows when to change her attitude. Right. Aurora Fane, the cousin of the Van Rines. I I ended up being okay with her character. I cannot agree with you more. That's such a good way to put it. At first, she was kind of like really stuck in her ways. Um, She was never like too mean about it, but she was definitely like Miss Fane was like 
trying to play by the rules, doing what she knows her cousins would want. Yeah. But I feel like by the end of the show, she really kind of like looked into herself and was like, you know, like the Russells really aren't that bad. I kind of actually like their company, you know, like, yeah, I kind of see that this whole thing's a little bit too silly. She's not prepared to like totally like be besties with her, but she like gets like, this is a bit much. And I think by the end of it, she's like really kind of enjoying this. I think she is. And at at the beginning, a lot of times she's like pushing the blame off onto Mrs. Morris. I was kind of confused at first which one of them was like the one really trying to keep out Mrs. Russell. And I'm like, oh, it was Mrs. Morris all along. And she was like, didn't want her there, but was also kind of like, yeah, but we do want your money. (laughs) 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 Like she recognizes that for these charities to be successful, like Mrs. Russell is someone they have to let in. And I love when her husband's just like, let her in. She's yeah. like, or we're going to lose everything. And she's like, you're right. Yeah. She was like, do you want to be broke? Because if yes, then keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, and her costumes were like always really beautiful too. She's just like, she really showed out with a lot of color by the end of it, too. She yeah. just, it felt like she just like moved into like a better place in society for herself that was more comfortable. She really does want the best for everyone. Um, like, I really appreciate the way that like she was like really like looking out for Peggy, too, and looking out for Marion. Yeah. Like, she always was trying to look out for the best for everyone, even if she had to like do a lot of self reflection to get there. I feel like she was somebody who really just wants to do the right thing thing and part of that is like oh i have to follow the rules and like during this she kind of realized like oh the rules aren't good (laughs) the rules kind (laughs) of suck sometimes yeah i think that was kind of like her like i i know what the right thing is to do but i gotta follow these rules and by the end she was like oh i can just do the right thing and not worry about the rules and she went through this conflict like all the way to like the very last few minutes of the episode when she had to go to miss chamberlain's house you could tell she's like oh god yeah. like please don't make me and she goes and like i feel like miss fain saw like oh miss chamberlain actually is not a bad lady she's actually just here like being kind and you know sweet to these people and then also she saw miss chamberlain be like hey marion actually i think mr reich's kind of sucks and Miss Fane was like, oh, so she's not completely crazy, you know? <laughs> no, I I did love how at the end she was like, I am here for Marion. Like, I'm going to make sure, like, she's okay. Right. Um, I got to say, though, her costume from episode three, I the tan silk satin number, that was one of my favorite costumes of the show. Oh, wow. Because it was at a moment when they were about to lose everything and she definitely like rolled back her wardrobe unlike all the other women to like <laughs> i felt like it represented how much she understood the predicament they were in and then went from there to change her ways yeah she readjusted which the morrises did not do and i feel like that's like such a good compare and contrast moment uh I just loved her. We we sound like such nerds talking about this show. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> but I'm loving every second of I it. I love it too. And you know who I also loved? <laughs> Warren McAllister, played by Nathan Lane, 
who I love this actor, but I cannot tell you what else he has been in. Oh my I just, gosh. I saw him pop up and I was like, oh, it's that guy. Love him. Birdcage, hello, where he was actually married to Christine Baranski in that movie. It was like the perfect reunion. It's Nathan Lane. You know Nathan Lane. I know Nathan Lane. I, I know I've seen him all over the place and I love him every time. I just can't tell you what he's been in. We'll have a conversation after. We'll go through his IMDb later. And I'm like, sure if oh. I pulled up his IMDb, I'd be like, oh, I love that and that and that. Yeah. But he's one of those character actors that like you don't think about until he pops up in something. And you're like, you're great. I loved Ward McAllister. He was actually like so funny. And I just like this is kind of what I aspire to be in life. He's just like this gossipy, high energy dude who shows up, loves to drink and just kind of like kind of stirred a pot a little bit. You know, he he's does. he sees Miss Russell and he knows that hanging out with her is not what he's supposed to be doing because he is like very close with Miss Astor. But he's like. I don't know. It sounds a little bit of fun, though. <laughs> like, he, I I love him. He's the best dressed, most modern dressed older gentleman in this series. And he's definitely just like, I am here to enjoy my life, no matter what anybody else says. Yes, I'm going to keep Mrs. Astor happy, but I want to see inside that big old house the Russells have been building. Right. <laughs> He's here to stir up some drama, and I love it. He's so fun. That accent that Nathan Lane had to put on. It's just, all of it, it's just so good. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, his costumes, though, were so great. I loved specifically what like he wore to episode eight when they go to Newport. It was just, I've never really thought of Newport as like, Newport has like such a fashion look like i just i've never put it together but like when you say like newport fashion now like in my head i like know what that looks like now and nathan lane's character ward McCaster, like really pulls it together yeah i love like that like tan kind of hat with the like blues just like everything is great i do love how like like yeah, yeah we kind of have this now it's resort fashion but back then it was so much more like yes this is my beach vacation wardrobe yeah. <laughs> like i love was, a beach vacation wardrobe it was clearly nothing they were in new york they were gonna wear there they just weren't it wasn't appropriate right <laughs> he, he did it so well Oof. so next up elizabeth i think we should just take a little dip into all the servants because the servants had so many great interesting costumes on its own um starting with I mean, let's just talk about the Van Ryan servants and the Russell servants. Yeah. Um, Kasha actually talks about this a lot with Tom and Lorenzo. Um, she said, for Bertha's household, very few households created uniforms for the servants, but they were one of the few who did. And we ran with the idea of that for Bertha's house. The rest of the houses, like the Brooks house, would a lot of the time give the servants fabrics for Christmas presents and then they would make their own garments. So they were more or less given similar fabrics because they came from the same person and they would create their own dresses. That's the idea we used for the servants in the Brooks house, which like that's very like, I feel like this kind of perfectly represents the like difference between like the old money and the new money the old money's like, they're going to save money where they can. They're like, oh, here's your Christmas gift. 
make yourself some clothes. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and then the new money is like, we want you to look exactly the way we want you to. So we're going to make you these fancy uniforms come in them. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I'd rather work in the Russell house, but also that's definitely a lot more high energy. And I do appreciate that the, the Brooks house, they get a lot of time to like sit down and have dinner together and just kind of like talk about their lives. So I don't I know. know. <laughs> I did. I liked the Brooks's household. I felt like they were like a little family because I'm sure when Mr. Van Ryan was still alive, when... Uh, her son was younger. She probably had a larger staff. There were probably more of them. She's like, it's just me now. Like, I like I don't need a ton of people around me all the time. Just the two kooky aunts upstairs. They don't really have too much to do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. When, um, who, what was the younger guy's name? I don't know. The, the younger footman, when he had to serve them luncheon, yeah. I was like... <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah. Like this is you're having lunch. Like why is he going through all this trouble? Uh, so much fun. I love when Agnes Van Ryan's, you know, butler like gets like employed to work across the street and she is livid. She, she gets loses up, her shit. She loses all her composure. She runs across the street and just like bangs open the door. And like sees him there and then she's embarrassed because she just realizes she like really went from a zero to a 50 real quickly. Mm -hmm. But then like the way that she treats him for the rest of the show where she talks to Aunt Ada <laughs> instead, it's like, <laughs> it's so good. It's one of the funniest things. I'm like, don't get mad at him because he took a freelance job. Like, yeah, this show is back. so a freelance job. <laughs> It's so true, he though. Did. But, like, once again, I just feel like if people would be a little bit more open with their communication and be like, hey, I got offered a ton of money to just work across the street for a couple hours. Would you please let me go? She probably still would have said no, but, like, at least having the conversation first, I just feel would go a long way with, with at least Aunt Agnes, but whatever. I I agree, but... I feel like she would have been unhappy either way. <laughs> but clearly she's not firing anybody because she keeps her nasty handmaid. Well, her lady's maid. She keeps her mean lady's maid. Armstrong. Ooh, I do not like Armstrong. I did and not like, like... I really wanted to like her too. Like when we saw this moment where like she like... She really does care for like the Van Ryan um, Brooks family. Like she wants to do the best for them. And then at the end of the day, you think she's really put together, but then she goes home and she has to take care of her mom. And clearly, like you could tell, like that Armstrong's really over it. She's really, <laughs> she does not love her mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then she's like so terrible toward Peggy. You're like, okay, this racist lady. I'm just, yeah. So I really want to like her, but I don't. You can't. You can't. But I love what Kasha says to Tom and Lorenzo about the servants. She said, even though we are telling the story of the rich, it's crucially important to present the world of the working class with equal due respect as we represent all other principles in the very wealthy world. I think that we really try to just present the world as it was and then tell the story as requested by the creators which it's like yeah they did like they gave them just as much attention as they did everybody else 
Yeah, no, I think that's great. And in talking about the Russell family servants, um, such interesting characters. I mean, the French chef who ended up being from Kansas. <laughs> I loved that. He he was one of my favorites. And then the fact that he was from Kansas, I was like, this is hilarious. So good. And then we have Miss Turner. Um, she I did was not a- like Miss Turner from the start. <laughs> probably not shocking to you but i was I mean, into her mean I brunette mean blonde <laughs> mm. <laughs> i don't know i thought she was cool i just she was so um she was interesting i'm not sad that she's gone but i was okay with her until she tried to sleep with mr russell and got pissed off because he said no yeah that was like, like episode two or three too it was pretty quick yeah it's like Honey, just be happy you have a good job. Like, yeah, I was just confused. I was like, why? Well, why? I, f- <laughs> I feel like because she talked about being like the maid of another very wealthy family whose husband died, and that's why she like they got rid of her. I feel like she was probably also the mistress oh. of that other husband. And that's why she get she got let go as the lady's maid after he was dead. Ooh. Well, I don't know. I guess I hope she does return so we could get a little bit more information. I hope she does too, because I'm like, hmm, you probably did this before. <laughs> and you just want like more money, more she just wants more. And it's like that's not how you're gonna get it. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Elizabeth, we are actually taking one more break, a little bit of a longer episode. So we need to take a quick break, get ourselves together, and we're going to finish this out. Yes. Ready for a ball, Spencer? We we need a ball. We haven't had a ball in a while. It's been a while, and I'm ready. Miss Russell is finally out in society, and everyone looks their best at Mrs. Astor's request. It's it's so so good. Everyone looks so great. Um, I love seeing Mrs. Russell and Miss Astor together. <laughs> Obviously, this is what not what they wanted. Um, but seeing them together, it's just like, I just love this whole environment where it's just this festival of everyone just giving each other glances from the other side of the room, clearly yes. disapproving of everyone in this room. So <laughs> They're all like, we all know each other should not be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, even like Agnes, uh, Van Ryn and Ada, they're just like kind of standing in a corner and you just see like agnes like trying to smile at everyone but she could barely even squeak out a smile it's just yeah. so good i do love ada's like i want to see inside the house like let's yeah. go ada was ready she's like i'm ready let's go i'm i'm excited to go to a ball yeah. um everyone just looks their best i will say though i'm not crazy about marion's dress me either i felt like that was very anticlimactic for her storyline well, to be fair, she just thought she was going to get married two hours ago. So I think putting on her best dress wasn't her top of mind. I just don't like that red floof in the center of it. I don't yeah. like that. I want to rip it off. 
I felt like they were kind of trying to pull her back to that country girl, but I'm like, that's not what she needed. Yeah, don't like that. Let's just kind of walk through the characters. Miss Astor with like this gold. Looking like a queen. Literally looking like she's the queen. And I think that was intentional. She wanted to show up and remind everybody that this is happening because she let it happen. Yes. <laughs> and she she's literally only doing it because she does not want her daughter to hate her and ignore her. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, she would be at home watching TV in her PJs. Yeah. And Mrs. Russell looks great, too. That dress with, like, the black leaf, like, embroidery on it. It's just, it's stunning. The asymmetry of that sleeve. Oh, so Perfect. good. But what I was really looking forward to was seeing Aunt Agnes like step out. What would she look like? Because she's yes. mostly stayed at home the entire season. I don't think we see her outside that house with the exception of her storming over to the Russells. <laughs> yeah. We don't see her outside that house till this moment. <laughs> and she's just like together as the sisters. They look very beautiful. Um, they like... Each have their own style. Aunt Agnes is wearing like her signature purple. I'm pretty sure purple's her color. She definitely leans on purple a lot and it looks great on her. Ada's in her like orangey yellow looking just amazing and adorable. Like she's she's having the time of her life right now. (laughs) Yeah, she's the sun. She's just, she's like, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) Like she doesn't really (laughs) care about the drama. She's like, oh, a ball. How fun. Yeah, it was just so fun seeing them out together. But then we have the quadrille. The quadrille. (laughs) This was amazing. I knew they were going to have costumes. I was not expecting this like Marie Antoinette with the wigs and the the pannier skirts uh, like yeah it was amazing it was so beautiful and gladys looked stunning with like that white she wig did. and the makeup everything i was like okay gladys like she's really stepping out this is her coming out as we would say yeah. i loved also when she's leaving after the quadro when she's leaving to change and mr van ryan's like let's have a dance right now and she's like Sir, I need to change. You can wait. Oh, my God. That part made me so mad because at first I feel like she was like, okay, I guess I should dance with him. And then she was like, no, I'm not dancing with you until I change. And I was like, Mr. Van Ryan, can you please piss off and go stand over there and wait your turn? Like, oh, he yeah. made me mad. That's when I was officially done with him as a character. That exact moment. I was like, oh, I don't like this guy. I'm so I'm so scared for her. I'm scared she's going to be trapped by him. Because by s- the end of the episode, they're kind of cozy. I know. Oh, it makes me so mad. Um, yeah, just the costumes in this ball was worth the wait. This entire finale was great. Honestly, there's so many costumes and so many episodes that we want to talk about, but I don't think we even have enough time. So maybe we're going to have to do like a little Patreon moment where we just really dive into each of these episodes. But that sounds like a great idea. But yeah, this was stunning, brilliant, well-researched. I cannot say enough good things about this series. And for a TV series just about the lives of rich people in 1880s New York, it's fascinating. You're like on the edge of your seat the whole time. Right. The concept really is nothing special, um, but it turned out it's one of my favorite shows I've watched in a long time. And yes. this has been one of my favorite podcast episodes. Like, I just really enjoyed preparing for this episode. 
moderately family friendly. So if you have little ones, like you can pop this on and not worry too much. Right. It was like the complete opposite of I was expecting like a Bridgerton vibe, you know, like lots of lots of horniness and zero horniness. Zero. Which I don't know how I feel about that, but it's okay. It's over now. I'm I'm okay (laughs) with it. I'm just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Just some good old family fun watching people give each other smirks and talk underneath their breath and, you know, just a lot of passive aggressiveness. And I love it people be rude in the most polite way possible <laughs> right <laughs> well Elizabeth, i think it's time for our favorite game are you ready i'm ready hit the music daniel the one costume to rule them all okay so my favorite costume to rule them all this was actually a hard one considering there was five thousand plus costumes yeah um and for me, it was almost like I probably have a favorite costume per character, but my absolute favorite costume was that very first costume we see Mrs. Russell in when she just walks through her house, doesn't take a moment to even enjoy the giant chandelier that's being installed. She just walks in, shows out that blue look with the tassels on it and the hat. Everything about it is just, it's just so good. It's so good. I concur, Spencer. I can't. I, I I can't. I couldn't figure out anything to top that. <laughs> anything that has as big an impact. Like, that's the thing about the costumes. Like, they all had impact on the stories and the characters. And it's like, they were all standouts. And I feel like this was just one of the ones that stood out the most. Yeah. This one, to me, is just like, this... Like, this one should be a museum exhibitions, but honestly, any of them could. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think back. Like, Mrs. Astor's, like, queen look from the last episode, that also was a, that was a front runner. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, Mrs. Chamberlain's outfit and hat from the first episode, I almost chose oh, that. Yeah. But I'm just, that like... That slays. <laughs> that baby blue dress with the the matching coat that goes over it that she just takes things off as she's coming through the house it's like oh the just how it acted in the environment how it looked on her like amazing it was just great Uh, elizabeth that's our time but i just i just want to talk about the show forever but at some point we do have to move on (laughs) i love the gilded age so much (laughs) but I think what we love to do on this show now, I'm starting to realize, is really just like do drastic whiplash changes between our genres. Yes. Um, we went from Batman to the Gilded Age. And where are we going next, Elizabeth? Next week, we are watching a new personal favorite of mine, Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> and Spencer, could you could you just give the guests a little hint of the excitement we have planned for next week yeah next week i'm so excited we're having one of my good friends on the episode to kind of uh help us break down the costumes her name is lexi silverstein she has her own podcast her own podcast called alexify the place for fashion she's also probably andrew garfield's biggest fan so really she's just Joining us for her Andrew Garfield expertise. (laughs) I cannot wait to hear those expertise. I'm so excited. 
Everybody have a fantastic week. I can't wait. Thank you all for listening. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash theartofcostume for some bonus content. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. hear it with my new pop filter he I'm so sure aggressively he <laughs> convinced me to buy <laughs> i'm sure it helps it helps immensely <laughs> what daniel says goes spencer <laughs> that's the one thing we know about this podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever he's probably already using this for the bloopers i'm gonna stop talking because i know daniel <laughs> um I am now recording. Elizabeth? I am now recording. Three, two, one, snap. Oh, I actually got a good snap that time. Yeah, you did. I feel like I didn't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm having such a hard time <laughs> with my new pop filter. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Someone having trouble with their pop filter. I'm really struggling. Daniel really threw me off my game this week. <laughs> oh no. I'm sure he's going to okay. feel real bad for you. I <laughs> <laughs>